this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each and every week we bring you a woman who's going to help you in so many areas of your life. How about your relationships? How about your business? Fastest growing trend in the United States, women-owned businesses. How about your health and staying fit and vital? And, of course, your self-esteem. A few years ago, I started inviting all these amazing women to share their expertise. And now we're co-authoring a book. We're very excited that you, it's finally you can pre-order it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's called Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Today I'm pleased to welcome back one of these leading women co-authors. Her name is Dr. Lois Phillips. Lois is a communication consultant with a special interest in helping women assume leadership roles in boardrooms, politics, upper management, and community involvement. Her full and awarding winning career includes co-authoring her book, Women Seen and Heard. It was published in 2006. She is also the founding director and CEO of Antioch University, Santa Barbara, where she served as a faculty member for 11 years and is an active community leader, founding member, and president of many community boards and committees, and a frequent media commentator on women's issues. She knows her stuff. Her chapter in Leading Women is called The Power of the Podium, Challenge and Opportunities to be Seen and Heard. So I'm very, very excited, and I want to welcome Dr. Lois Phillips back to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Lois, thank you so much for being with me again. We have some exciting things going on. The book and you being a co-author of Leading Women, I'm very excited about this project. I'm very excited about our collaboration of these 20 women and the voices and the expertise that's coming together. And I really think it's a statement. It really, to me, is kind of like the exclamation point on the, the end of the sentence. That's for me. It's like this is what it's all about for me. Well, thank you so much. I feel very honored to be a part of the a group of women you've brought together, and I look forward to someday being in the same room or at least, you know, through uh, some kind of technology having us be able to see each other and continue the conversation um, more directly. It's a, a brilliant group, and I've learned so much from the process you created for our collaboration. Thank you. Well, you know, our goal is to have book launches all over the country. Uh, the first one will be, of course, this this coming Saturday, which you and I will see each other at. Uh, I think there's a couple of co-authors that are going to be there. Some are Good. confirmed. I know several people are going to try to be there, but... Uh, we've also talked about having them uh, in New York, and, and I'm going to have one in the Midwest in December. Great. So hopefully we're going to gather many of these uh, co-authors together. But you're right. It really is. It would be exciting for one day for all of us to be in the same room and just really celebrate uh, what we all have been doing because I, I consider us a sisterhood. I, I consider us a community of women helping other women as well. So, I'm, Thank I'm, you. Okay. You know, I, I heard about you first from um, a mutual contact at the Women in Communication Conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I was thinking about 
what is to be learned when one travels because I had never been to Tulsa before and I learned so much about regional economic development that was happening there, how women are uh, building businesses, how they're uh, becoming involved in the political arena. And so each of us has a worldview that may be grounded or anchored, if you will, in our local and regional environment. So as well as our interest in our subject matter, we also are learning a lot from the dynamics of our own communities. It's very interesting when you talk about issues like women's economic development or opportunities or women in the workforce from the Midwestern woman's point of view or the New York woman's point of view. We each have very different stories to tell and different experiences, and there's tremendous commonality. So that's why it gets fun, you know, when we when we grind down into the anecdotal material. Well, that's, that's what this is about, is really telling each one of us has a story to share. You know, women in general do not, you know, they'll look at someone like yourself, and many women will look at you and go, you're successful, you're smart, you're educated, uh, you have your act together, and, you know, you, it must be so easy for you. And I think what's good about uh, the book also are the stories that ta- talk about the challenges these co-authors have gone through. Because you and I both know we don't get where we you know, we don't get anywhere without some hard work and some bumps and some things along the road that are truly challenges. And that's why I think this book is powerful too, is because it really it kind of helps other women to say, look, you know, I've been there, I've done that, I'm still doing it, I still have challenges. So. You know, we're all in it together, and it's really about each one of us helping each other to, to get down that road or climb that ladder or wherever, whatever direction we want. Well, I, you know, and I think that when we look at someone who seems so together and so successful, we're misunderstanding the world and, and seeing things as static. So even though maybe you do have it together on Monday of 2006, uh, but then 2008 happens. And we have an economic implosion, and that destabilizes everyone, everyone's lives. So the world is so dynamic that, you know, periodically we'll have it together, and then we'll have to react to enormous trends and forces that are affecting everyone. And I, I'm at the point in my life now where I, I – and I love your point of view about this, Nancy – Uh, that I really see the trait of resilience as being a very important thing for us to help each other cultivate so that we can, you know, rebound from those forces and trends that destabilize us. And I think that's a great gift to younger women where we say, yes, you can do it, but not only in that way of sharing a platitude, you know, you go girl, okay, that's great, but the Mm -hmm. fact is that even if life is good at a moment, there are things that are beyond our control. So if we have this inner strength and we know we can rebound from a setback, it helps us go forward. And I'm wondering as a psychologist how you feel about that. You know, I just recently did a presentation to 400 people, the the women in dentistry, but basically it was on mental toughness. And resiliency and being mentally tough is, is so important for women. When I, when I talk to women, I say, I want to remind you of these things because oftentimes we forget that, you know, in our lives we've had challenges, and challenges can, can become opportunities. 
and mm-hmm. that you, you know you get through those times and you forget about that. So yeah, I think right. sometimes it's important to remind, especially women, you know, that wait a minute, you are very resilient and you've gotten through some tough times and you have some tools that you can you can draw upon and, and remind yourself of those things that you've able to, you're able to accomplish and you have accomplished. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think for women, uh, one of the biggest things, of course, is fear. Mm-hmm. You know, the fear, especially for women as they're growing older, that the concern that, you know, I, I'm too old to do that or I can't change or, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, you know, this is, to me, the, I, I really enjoy that part when I really talk about fear and how it really uh, handcuffs women, in, especially in the role of leadership. You know, yes, you, you talk so much about communication and leadership, which is so important for women. But if, mm-hmm. if there's fear, women, w- women will not, they will not step up to the podium. They will, not be, they will not be heard. They will not be seen because they are fearful. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, I think the thing about lean in, when she mm-hmm. asked the question, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Right. It's a great it's a great question. I think it's a great question to keep asking oneself as well as people around us, as men as well as women, and fear does hold us back. Um I read a terrific uh, article in the New York Times recently, in fact it was just a couple of weeks ago, about women and men as decision makers and the interesting thing is and this has to do with the uh, the hormones in our system that in fact when we're under stress uh, and we're in a tough situation, both men and women, because we're human, have a, um, you know, a hit of, of cortisol. Right. And that is basically helping us you know, with the fight or flight syndrome. We have to decide, as we used to centuries ago we're in the jungle, there's a lion coming towards us. Do we stay to fight it or do we flee? But in stressful situations, women actually unlike men, were more calm. They have that little extra lift that came from cortisol, the hormone cortisol, but men get flooded with cortisol and they end up being more impulsive. They end up um, taking bigger risks. They gamble, and they did this in a variety of settings. One of them was at the podium, but um, it also had to do with gambling. And, you know, women took their winnings and said, I don't like the deal, I'm leaving the table. And men stayed. And they lost. So I think that education is very important. These articles and the research coming out of universities now is very enlightening. And and it should give us confidence in ourselves to stay. Maybe it's because, you know, for centuries we had to worry about the kids or the elderly. But we're not impulsive. We have few resources, and we we really want to protect them. We don't want to be impulsive and, and gamble. So I think the more we understand about how human beings um, deal with stress and how they, um, when under pressure, can lead a group to safety, for example, I think we'll feel really good about being women, actually. I'm very optimistic about the great research that's coming out confirming what you and I already know. Well, I mean, if we talk about nature and nurture, I mean, let's face it, women that rock, we rock the hand, the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world because I think, you know, it's up to us to continue to uh, reproduce. I mean, we're the only, we only need one bull, by the way, you know, so <laughs> women are, we're reproducing. But, so we have to, we have those challenges. We've all, always had those challenges, and I think women now can translate that. I think a stay-at-home mother today 
it's one of the toughest jobs that any woman can do to take care of her family and her children. Mm-hmm. It's one of the toughest jobs they can do. But, but they can translate that into the world as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's what women need to understand is that they've had these skills and it's built in genetically to do so. And, and we are great at collaboration. We're great at communication. And we can see a big picture, but we see the details as well. And women are starting to understand that. You know, mm-hmm. they're starting to say, well, this feminine mystique, you know, the, you know, Brute uh, Regine, his, who's in the book is also, is, is, again, accepting and understanding this feminine part of ourselves, which is so powerful. Well, I think that there are very legitimate uh, skills and knowledge that come from uh, being involved in a family situation. And I, don't, I, I have so many women who opted out of motherhood and ended up you know, being at a point in life where children were not an option, and, but they're sisters and they're daughters, and you know, they've been in the role of a family member, and they understand what it's like to pull together in a crisis to use your resources wisely. And I want to just jump shift for a minute. You mentioned the podium a few minutes ago and the fact that when you have to step up and speak up about something you care about, those things that you learned from raising your children or being someone's daughter or being a caregiver for your mom or dad uh, later in life, those are the kind of kitchen table conversations that allow you to translate big economic issues in very straightforward ways that everybody can understand. So, you know, women pinch a penny until it screams, right? We've, we've heard that. Um, and I think that I've heard women talk about economic policy in a very different way from the way men talk about economic policy. I understand it much more concretely because they anchor it in those metaphors of family life and the consequences of having to choose between braces for your child or a new station wagon. And we understand the value of a dollar. So I think, you know, I I see the PTA discussions becoming much more interesting as women are, um, you know, are thinking about going through this economic turbulence we've had in the past decade, they're thinking about the policy, the consequences economically of policy decisions down at the PTA level. And I've seen women who joined the PTA, ran those meetings, got you know, their water wings and decided, hmm, I think I'm going to get elected to a commission. And then before you know it, they're running for the city council. And it comes from being anchored in family life. So let's hear it yeah, for family life. Yeah, the whole concept of conscious business is about relationships and being authentic. It's something that more and more companies, the successful companies, are beginning to understand. And I think that's where women do have this extreme value when it comes to we're building, we're all about relationships, but when women begin to understand there's different kinds of relationships, the relationship they have with themselves, the relationship they have with their families, mm-hmm. uh, and the, then the relationship they have with their communities, it becomes mm-hmm. very powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as how they can truly be effective and, and truly impact wherever they might be. But, I mean, again, this is, you know, the business model is, has changed so much that, you know, really building real relationships is really becoming the key to success. And I think that's for women being the fastest-growing trend in the United States or women-owned businesses are understanding that. But they're taking well, things that they love, their passion and their purpose and their drive, and they're turning those into businesses. So that's right. Their work is their love, their love is their work. So, I mean, this is, 
this is the concept, I think, that's really creating success for women in leadership roles. And, mm-hmm. and again, we can pass that on to, to the, the next generation as well. I think, I think that's a very interesting phenomenon. I agree with you. And I was uh, talking to someone in an organization re- recently who was you know, looking at the talent within and talking about the financial consequences of losing a valued creative employee who's responsible for innovations in the company. And if that person leaves, they have the institutional memory. They have all kinds of information about the product and the customer service strategies. It's very expensive to lose a good employee. And so the wise manager or executive is going to work very hard to keep uh, that relationship with someone going and to work through problems in a very steady way. And I think if you value people, then you understand that um, this, is, this is worth the time, that you don't let somebody valuable leave. So I think that's, that's a carryover that has economic consequences, and I agree with you. It's, it's a new approach to managing people that is based on very feminine, uh, a feminine kind of wisdom that was dismissed years ago. Yeah, no, so so things are changing for the better. We're, we are sounding optimistic, actually, aren't we? Yeah, we really are. I don't know that uh, maybe the last time we were as optimistic <laughs> as, as we are today. Yeah, the stiletto networks are popping up everywhere. Women get We get to be women now. We get to wear heels. We get to wear jewelry. We get to wear makeup. We don't have to have padded shoulders. We don't have to wear the suits and the tie. Hey, I've done that. I've done it all. I mean, I've, right, worn, right. I've worn a power suit. I've worn a tie. I mean, I have been there, done that. But but now I get to be me. I get to. So be you me. have more choices in the way that you can be in a professional role. Then it's it's a lot of fun now. You know, I mean, we can actually just go ahead and just be women. And you know, women are craving that that connection with other women too, in the professional sense. But that profession, everyone I work with, you know, I work with a lot of women as far as the services that I need in my life. And again. Developing this network has been so powerful because it becomes more than that. It becomes a not only professional and one on one hand, but it becomes very emotional and very social on another hand. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and I think men have understood this a lot longer than we have. You know, when women, women finally started going out and play golf, which I do. Uh, started going out and playing golf and realized that, hey, you can go out and play golf and do some business, have some fun, and develop really positive, outgoing relationships with people that you work with or work with. Right. Well, you've just moved from the Midwest to, I know you travel tremendously, so maybe you're not at home that much, but now you are a Californian as well. You have a home here. Um, Do you see the differences in the culture uh, in terms of, women's roles, men's, men's roles on the West Coast as opposed to the Midwest? Does it feel more fluid to you? I know the, I know the rap we, we Californians have, but from well, your point you of know, view as a recent transplant. I, I think, you know, probably the, the best answer would be you become the people you surround yourself with. And, you know, my, I, I'm very, I've been very blessed to surround myself with very, uh, uh, very, sophisticated, very powerful women. And, and when I say powerful, it means the power to, not the power of. The mm-hmm. power to meaning they understand their, their abilities and they understand what they're able to accomplish. And they're also very dedicated to helping other women. So, you know, I, I don't know that that's so much different. I think it's who you surround yourself with. 
But, you know, I've been doing this work, uh, doing radio and, and doing uh, Women Speak for the, since the 90s. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is wonderful that I'm finding more and more sisters like yourself. You know, I mean, that's the exciting thing. I think when I first started, it was so exciting to find someone that had similar views or similar challenges and opportunities that they were looking at. But, no, it's exciting now. There's more and more of us. I still, and no matter where I go, there's still women that are definitely challenged. They don't. They still have not taken that power to, to, to you know. They don't understand the power that they have. So, well, you know, I think I, we could talk about the fact that um, when you moved here, of course, your network is is enormous, but it's. Uh, I'm sure you found welcome through the relationships you had cultivated virtually, and that networking is a complement to the the inner resilience you and I were talking about a few minutes ago. Um, when I first moved here decades ago from Amherst, Massachusetts, and, and before that from New York, I very uh, very quickly found friends from different parts of the country who are, also had moved here from other places. And California is full of people uh, whose families are not here. So there's something about the friendships that you can form when your parents or siblings are 3,000 miles away. And out of the friendships became these collegial relationships, uh, people who supported me when I wanted to write an article or um, become a speaker or move into an executive position. I think the, you know, the old boy networks we've always heard about, but I think the, the women's networks um, are, are very helpful to people when you're going through a difficult moment or even just a transition. It doesn't have to be difficult emotionally difficult, but just you've decided to change something. And to be able to figure out how to plug in uh, in a new city and find like-minded people, um, which you yourself said is very important, to surround yourself with people who are positive and who share your values. And I think women have learned that that is very important. Um, have you found that in your travels and in speaking to different uh, business and professional groups, that that's now... A more of a phenomenon for women as well, this networking thing. Well, no, I, you know, I think women are hungry for that. I mean, I think that's what's so exciting about it is that really, you know, we we have always been the yellow book. You know, I mean, when you if you want something, ask a woman. You know, she knows about it. I mean, for example, you and I met, and of course, you gave me a list of things for me to connect in the community. And I think that's what happens when women do actually ask. The point is you do have to ask for help, and I think mm-hmm. that's another thing that women aren't as good as they need to be, which is basically reaching out and starting to really develop those networks and, and understanding the value uh, that once you do that, that it, and then it, then it can become deeper and deeper and richer. As you said, it, it can evolve into even more uh, opportunities for a business or, again, you know, changing, changing your life, a transition that you're going through, whatever. I mean, it's, it's extremely powerful. And, and like I said, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if it hadn't been for a lot of other women, including women in my own family, mm-hmm. who have supported me and, and really lifted me up to, to be where I am today. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. I was the ultimate tomboy, and I basically, most of the time, I was playing with boys or doing sports. So I really didn't have the value of being a, a woman or girl at that point until I started having women of my own. And so, as you know, I've got three daughters, and I have right. seven granddaughters now. <laughs> 
And that changes everything, having three daughters. But, you know, Nancy, um, I, I'm not sure I'm disagreeing with you, but I'm think, I was thinking when you were talking that even a shy woman, a reticent woman, has no trouble asserting herself if it's for someone in need that she loves. So we can, my experience has been that women can ask if it's for someone else. They have a harder time asking for themselves. And I've seen business women who had such fantastic ideas for businesses, but they never capitalized it adequately because they found it very hard to ask for the you know, investment in them. And yeah. the ones who succeeded got to the point where they realized this isn't about me, this is about the product. And yeah. then if I can make a success of this product, I can hire people. And when I can hire people, I am, you know, investing in the economy. So it's very important to take that business idea forward and, it's, and realize it's not about you. And I, that's where I think it's, it's different. I think we're, we've always been, even the shyest ones, very assertive if, if it's for someone else. No, that's an excellent point, absolutely an excellent point. Well, we've gone around your topic all, I know, in this conversation, the power <laughs> of the podium, challenges and opportunities to be seen and heard. And, and it is an opportunity. I mean, I think that's, again, you know, we do have to nurture other women and really encourage them by being on boards, being in, you know, as a, even as you said, starting in the PTA or whatever organization, in a church, wherever you can start some type of leadership that you can evolve as a speaker and as, as someone who can, and, as you, and I think what you said was important is that when women become passionate about something, or some challenge that a, mm-hmm. a beloved one or something in their life, they mm-hmm. truly can become advocates. And really that, that's when oftentimes women's voices become extremely powerful when they finally go, wait a minute, this is so important to me for my loved ones or someone else or what I, what I want to accomplish that they get past that fear and then they realize how extremely valuable it is to have that voice and to be seen and to be at that podium. That's right. And I... Uh, in. In the book that I, that I wrote before I contributed to your book, I, I gave the example of a local woman, Doreen Farr, who had no political ambitions at all, but she became involved in local politics because there, was a, there were potholes in her neighborhood that needed to be fixed. And I know another woman who saw the need for a stop sign at a very dangerous intersection. So they, you, know, you have to stand up in front of the city council and argue for that to be fixed because it's dangerous. And um, these women went on to strong political careers because one thing led to another. And I think it has to do with knowing you are an agent of change when you stand up and speak about something because nobody else will. And, you know, if I don't fix the pothole or if I don't get a stop sign, something really bad is going to happen. That's happened in my neighborhood when someone was killed uh, about a year and a half ago um, riding a bicycle um, at night. And it was tragic, and our whole neighborhood became mobilized about this main street we're on that is very dark at night. And people who never would be political, and I'm using it in small p, not capital P, but they, they were leveraging their power. They came together to leverage power to speak up to get something changed. And we're doing it as a community in our case. But I think it's when your message is the driver, you, you forget about your own anxiety because you're just so upset about a situation you want it fixed. Uh, or let's say you have a brilliant idea for a new project and you need it funded. 
getting to that level of saying this isn't about me, this is about the project, this is about the girls club or the tennis court that needs fixing, whatever it is, um, standing up for something that isn't you, but you've got a big idea. And it's what people don't realize is it's really a natural high. It, once you get up there, you you get all those butterflies flying in the same direction, and yeah. you you know you feel a sense of control. You know what you want to say. To me, it's an adrenaline rush that's really way better than anything that's an illegal substance. And um, I, I people I've trained and coached to overcome their fears of anxiety about it. Um, have said that it was absolutely thrilling to be respectful of your audience, but to give them a gift like you're giving them a you know a tray of brownies. Something really good is going to happen because you're sharing a big idea with them. Yeah. So it's it's wonderful work. It's very positive and empowering for people who want to overcome that kind of anxiety. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. You know, and and I think you need people need to understand too. You're always a little anxious. I know you probably are. I know I am. Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. And that's just a normal. Uh, you can talk to some of the most accomplished uh, performers and actors, you know, artists that will tell you that, you know, they are extremely anxious before they get started. But once they get into the, what they truly love and what they truly love doing, as you said, that's where the, that really good adrenaline comes from. That good feeling, that high, that natural high that you can that you can have. Well, well, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday, but uh, is there something that you want to share with everyone now that you're doing? You, The book, the chapter in the book is definitely the book we want to definitely promote leading women because you can now buy it, uh, pre-purchase it on Barnes and & Noble and, and uh, uh, Amazon. But again, this is about you, what you want to do and uh, what's happening in your world right now that you'd like people to know. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, in general, I'm coaching to executives who are in their 40s who have been promoted up into top positions, and I'm working with them on speeches they're giving to very large audiences of 400 and 600 people, respectively. And um, they're, they're very, very professional and extremely intelligent, very charming. But these, this is a large group, and it has to go very well. So. I'm privileged to do that kind of work with them and make sure that they shine and they um, achieve the result they want to influence people to support their nonprofit organizations. And I also do research. Uh, that, But all of this is contingent on being able to communicate, to figure out what's the problem here, what's the point, uh, what needs to be communicated, who are the stakeholders, how do I communicate best with them virtually or physically? And, and getting people to be uh, conveying accurate and current information regularly with each other. So when there's a, an opportunity to speak to a group, um, a lot of the background stuff has already been managed, and people are eager to hear what I have to say. So I think that preparing people is, is not m- magic that if people are prepared with a, an important message that's right for a particular group uh, and they have a story to tell, they make, it, they make it a story with a beginning, middle, and end, and um, they resolve it, then people appreciate the speaker. And I think that's a kind of therapy that um, is, is comparable to clinical work, and you've done clinical work, Nancy. So it's all about improving mental health, self-esteem, self-confidence, 
in people. And my venue is through public speaking skills. Yeah, uh, definitely if that is something that so many people are anxious about. And if you can get them through that, that they can actually stand up and talk in front of a group and really express their ideas and, and join with that, that group they're speaking to, it's very powerful and, and such a positive thing. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. There's no doubt about it. What you're doing is, is so helpful to so many people. And, and we need more and more women finding their voice. And congratulations on what you're doing because it's Thank you very, so very much. I really appreciate the chance to talk with you, Nancy, and to see you in person very soon. Yeah, that well, just a few more days. But uh, where would you like people to go? You have a website. Would you like to tell them LoisPhillips.com is my website, and I'm regularly posting uh, hot articles about women speaking, men speaking badly, or men speaking ill about women, or women, um, you know, who are very wonderful role models for the rest of us, and the hot research from universities. So. It's, it's an unusual uh, website because of the blog posts. I'd love people yeah. to take a look. We love our blog, so everyone go and check that. Well, Lois, thank you again. I will see you on Saturday, and you have a wonderful day. Thanks for thank talking. Thank you with so me. much, Nancy.